Well, I, uh, I'm going to go ahead and move this, too, because that's an obstacle waiting to happen. Uh, and as I do, I welcome you back to the second week of our sermon series called Messy Christmas. If you would, say that with me, Messy Christmas. And what we're doing in this series is we're looking at some of the messes, some of the struggles in our life during the Christmas season. You see, the world tells us that this is the happiest time of the year. Joy and cheer and presents and carols and Santa Claus. But the truth is that this is also, for many of us, the hardest time of the year, right? Uh, Lost relationships, uh, broken relationships, lost opportunities, financial limitations. And there's probably a lot of you here this morning that, that you'd say, if I'm being really honest today, my life is a whole lot more messy than it is merry right now. But there's good news. And the good news is that God gets it. God understands our messes. In fact, if you're taking notes, if you're sharing on social media, I want you to be sure that you get this down. It's our key thought for the series, and it goes like this. Jesus did not come in spite of our messes. Jesus did not come in spite of our messes. Jesus came because of our messes. Jesus did not come in spite of our messes to put up with our messes, to deal with our messes. He came because of our messes. Matthew chapter 1, verse 21 says it like this. It's our key thought for the series. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name. Say it with me. You are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. You are to give him the name Jesus. Literally, the Lord saves because he will save his people from their sins. We have a God who doesn't just put up with our mess. We have a God who meets us in our mess and who redeems us from the very sin of our lives. And I don't know about you, but that is really good news this morning. Amen? That's incredible news. And somebody might want to get excited about that because that is absolutely incredible news this morning, that we have a God who meets us, who saves us in our sins. So what are we doing these four weeks? Last week, week one, we dealt with the shame of our messy past. And God set so many of us free from the shame of our messy past. This week, week two, it's our messy choices. Uh, Next week, we're going to look specifically at the character of Mary. And we're going to look at our messy consequences. What are the consequences of saying yes to Jesus? And, And then week four, don't miss it. Christmas Eve, don't check out, right? Christmas Eve, it's going to be an incredible uh, time together uh, because God is going to deal with us as he talks to us about messy people. And I'm going to encourage you to bring a friend, bring a coworker, bring a loved one, bring a stranger. I don't care who you bring with you. Somebody that knows Jesus, somebody that needs to know Jesus because God is going to come. He's going to speak to us about the messy people in our lives. This week, week number two, messy choices. Uh, So congregation participation this morning. Uh, How many of you would say, I love public speaking? I I love public speaking. I love public speaking. Praise God. There's like two hands, three. There you go. Very good. I love, but you're a ham. You love it. There's my wife. She's a ham. Very good. She loves public speaking. All right. Uh, How many of you on the other side, you would say, I 
hate public speaking, right? I hate public speaking. I'd rather sleep with spiders, get stung by a nest, right? Uh, uh, get run over by a beer truck, right? Which is, which is just a double whammy for Nazarenes, right? Get run over <laughs> by a beer truck, right? And just anything but speak in front of people, right? Well, it will not come as a surprise to you that I have always enjoyed public speaking, right? And probably a, a pretty good thing. And it really began when I was about 14 years old, and I had my first exposure on national television. Now, it also happened to be my last exposure on national television, but it was my, my first, my debut performance. And I was actually, believe it or not, true story, I was actually on ESPN uh, doing the National Spelling Bee, right? How many people have seen uh, the National Spelling Bee on ESPN? Very Very good. Uh, let me say this with all humility and all gentleness, uh, you need a better life, right? <laughs> because there is nothing more boring than watching the National Spelling Bee on ESPN, right? There's, there's paint dry, there's grass grow, and there's the National Spelling Bee on ESPN. But I, I, I got my start on that journey. So the next year, about a year later, I decided I was going to try out for our high school play, right? I was going to take my fame up the next level. I was going to try out for our high school play. So they had us try out and, and read some lines and do all this. And I just knew by the end of it, I knew that I had aced this tryout. And so a couple days later, the, the producer called me into the office and she gave me the news I was expecting. She said, Andrew, you did an incredible job. Uh, just wonderful. She said, you, you're going to have the center part of the play. And I was like, no, 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 no. Okay, if you insist, right? If you insist, I, 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 I'll do it, right? She said, center part of the play. And so she gave me the script, and I began to, to read through it, uh, one page and another page and another page. And I got to the end of the script, and there was one problem. Um, I didn't have any lines. And so I told her, I said, that, I don't know, I, I, this might be a mistake. I don't have any lines. How can I be the center part if I don't have any lines? She said, that's just it. It's incredible. She said, what we're actually going to do is we're actually going to kill off your character right at the beginning of the play, right? Before you can even speak, we're going to kill you right at the beginning. And then what people are going to do is they're going to drag your dead body around the stage and try to cover up the murder, right? Now, I did not think that was really good news, right? I did not think that was really awesome, and that was actually my last foray into the, uh, into the public speaking uh, uh, side of things. And so what I actually did is I waited, and then I actually called in sick uh, the day of the play, uh, which was really good, uh, and it was especially exciting for my, uh, for my uh, uh, co-workers, my uh, co-people in the play, uh, because uh, my understudy was a styrofoam dummy. And so uh, they actually, it was a whole lot easier for them to drag him around the stage for me. And so we were all a whole lot more blessed, right? I, I, I was not blessed. I was not encouraged. And I was not excited, right? But what Jesus has done in our lives is he's actually spoken to us through the character of Joseph. And believe it or not, Joseph actually doesn't have a single part to play a single line to speak in this play. And yet, he has an incredible option in front of him, his incredible choice. And we're going to look today at the, at the, at the character of Joseph 
and the, the, and, uh, the, the way in which he embraces his role. Uh, Matthew chapter 1, beginning in verse 18, if you're there with me, uh, let's look at this together. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was, say it with me, was pledged to be married to Joseph. Now, pause right there. Uh, pledged to be married in that day was very different than pledged to be married in our day, right? So if you're pledged to be married today uh, and it doesn't work out, uh, no big deal, right? Uh, probably some tears, probably some rings you got to take back. But other than that, no big deal. Back in Joseph and Mary's day, to actually be pledged to be married was effectively to be married. You were effectively married. You didn't have all of the, of, the, of, of, of the intimacy. You didn't live together, but you were effectively married. And in order to separate, in order to go different directions, you actually had to file a certificate of divorce. So this is really exciting news. This is really important things. And so because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her, say it with me, divorce her quietly. Divorce her quietly. Mary has been found to be pregnant, right? She's been found to be pregnant by the Holy Spirit. And Joseph says, eh, I don't know. I'm not up for this. I'm going to go a different direction. And what I want us to look at is I want us to look at some of the messy choices that Joseph had to make in this story. And if you're taking notes, I think there are three. Number one, if you're taking notes, Joseph had to choose whether or not to please himself. To please himself. He says he was going to divorce her quietly. He's going to put her away quietly. Now, what's interesting to me in this story is that Matthew never tells us how Joseph actually found out that Mary was pregnant, right? Sometimes I wonder, uh, did he, uh, did, was it just kind of, did, did she wait until it wasn't noticeable, right? It, it, until she couldn't hide it anymore. Like, like Mary, you're, you're, you're putting out a few pounds before the wedding, right? You're, you're putting out a few issues. What's, what's going on here, right? Or was it, uh, she came right out and she told him, Joseph, guess what? I'm pregnant and you're not the father. Well, no doubt, Mary, of course I'm not the father. No, you're not the father, but guess who is? It's the Holy Spirit. Exciting, right? And Joseph has got to be thinking to himself, this woman is the worst liar in the history of humanity, right? I mean, who thinks of such a thing? I mean, uh, blame it on somebody else. Uh, blame it on an accident. Blame it on somebody. But whatever it is, it's not God. It's not the Holy Spirit that has actually gotten you pregnant, right? And so he's thinking she's a liar uh, 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 or she's a loony bin, like one or the other. She's out of here. I am going to go uh, and I am going to please myself. He says, you and the Holy Spirit go and have a good life together. Me and my donkey, we're going to go home and we're going we're to live together, right? Number two, pleasing others. Pleasing others. You see, in that day, uh, for us to get, uh, uh, for somebody to get pregnant outside of wedlock would, would, would definitely be a, a bad thing for us. But in that day, it was actually a sin punishable by death. It was a sin punishable by stoning. And so jo Joseph has to be asking himself this question. What are people going to think if I marry 
if I marry Mary? What are people going to think if I actually go through this? What are people going to do? What are people going to say? What are people going to think? And I want to get really honest here with a minute, with us for a minute, because I think sometimes the Holy Spirit is speaking to our hearts, and he's asking us this question, are you more concerned with what I think, or are you more concerned with what people think? Are you more concerned with what I think, or are you more concerned with what people think? And, and if you're taking notes, I want you to, to jot this down. This is so important. Because when you are consumed by what other people think, it's so easy to forget what God thinks. When you're consumed by what other people think, you actually forget what God thinks. We've all experienced this, haven't we? We go through life and we, we, we want to please people. We want to make people happy. We want people to like us, right? And so we think to ourselves, well, are people going to like me? Are, are people going to accept me? Am I strong enough? Am I, am, I, am I courageous enough? Am I beautiful enough? Am I attractive enough? And we go through our entire lives wondering whether or not people will accept us. Back in Joseph's day, and 2,000 years ago, uh, fortunately for him, he didn't have social media, right? He didn't have a number of people who could, could like this or like that or deal with that. And I tell you, we love social media at First Church, but it's also a tool, isn't it, in which people can hold us captive to their opinions, captive to what they like, captive to what they don't like. Do you like my car? right? Do you like my house? Uh, do you like the way that I've decorated my house? Do you like my kids? Uh, do you like the way I've decorated my kids, right? Uh, do, do, do you like my boyfriend? Do you, do you like my girlfriend? And, and sometimes we're like, oh, sorry, honey, sorry, babe, didn't get enough likes. I'm moving on to the next person, right? And we're so consumed by what people like and what people think. And we spend our entire life trying to please others, rather than trying to please God. Pleasing self or pleasing others. There's a third choice, and let me just go ahead and tell you right now, it's no less messy. There are just as many costs, there are just as many consequences to choose this choice. But in the end, it's the only choice, and it's the right choice. It's the choice to please God. It's the choice to please God. God. At Matthew chapter 1, beginning in verse 20, Joseph has made up his mind. He's going to take Mary, he's going to divorce her quietly, and he and his donkey and whatever else, they're going to go move and do their own thing. But then all of a sudden, an angel of the Lord shows up. And he shows up to Joseph in a dream, and he says this. He says, Joseph, son of David, do not, say it with me, do not be afraid. Say it with me. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid of what? Do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is actually, say it with me, is actually of the Holy Spirit. It's of the Holy Spirit. And if I'm Joseph, I am absolutely floored, right? Because he's already decided that Mary is crazy, or Mary is a liar, but there is no possible way this is true. But, Joseph, but, but the Holy Spirit says, yes, it's true. The Holy Spirit has done this. And, and so Joseph is left with a decision. 
Is he going to please himself? Is he going to please others? Or is he going to please God? Is he going to please himself? Is he going to please others? Or is he going to please God? And I want to pause here for a moment because I think so many of us are confronted with this exact same decision. So many of us deal with these things in life in which we're going to please self, we're going to please others, or we are going to please God. Now, probably not most of us are, are dealing with uh, our wife or our girlfriend uh, getting pregnant by the Holy Spirit, right? If they come up to you and they say, hey, it's of the Holy Spirit, go ahead and make sure you check that one out, okay? That, that, that is not, that's probably not, that's kind of a once in eternity type of thing, right? Uh, but for us, there's so many other areas of our life, right? Like, how do you spend your time? Uh, do you spend your time extra hours at work? trying to get that raise? Do you spend your time vegging out in front of the TV, looking in front of the computer, or do you spend your time with your family? Do you spend your time investing in the things of God? How do you spend your money? Are you all about what the world wants, what you think that you need? Better car, better house, better clothes, better things. Are you more interested in what God wants and what God needs? Radical generosity, tithing the first 10%, giving everything to the one who's given it all for us. Maybe for you, you're in a a dating relationship today, and the Holy Spirit is is coming into your life, and he's saying to you, are you pleasing me, or are you pleasing God? Are you living like the world wants? Are you living together? Are you pushing the, the, the boundaries of the physical relationship? Are you doing what's pleasing to you? Are you living your life in holiness, in purity, and waiting until marriage? Uh, maybe some of you, you, you're single out there, and, and you're so tired of waiting, and you're so tired of waiting for God to bring the right person into your life, and you think to yourself, you think to yourself, it was not planned, right? And you think to yourself, I'm just going to lower my standards, right? I'm going to lower my standards. I'm going to do something differently because I've got to find somebody, or are you going to wait for the one that the Lord has for you? Maybe for you, it's your career, right? And God has called you. He's called you into ministry or into education or to some other means, social work. But other people out there are like, no, do something more exciting. Do something, a better job. Get a better paycheck. Get a better provision. Make sure you take care of yourself, right? Pleasing others pleasing self, or pleasing God. And I want to just be really honest because I think some of us here today, we're trapped by the opinions of others. We're trapped by the opinions of others. When we become consumed with what other people think, it's so easy for us to forget what God thinks. But if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down because the other side is also true. When you become consumed with what God thinks you actually can forget what other people think. When you become consumed with what God thinks, you can actually forget what other people think. The best way to forget what other people think is to become consumed by what God thinks. And if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. What I call it is living for an audience of one. Living for an audience of one. 
Sometimes uh, when my son, Lucas, uh, who is four years old, sometimes he, he wants my attention. And he'll tell me, uh, you know, hey, dad, check this out. Or dad, look at this. Or dad, uh, do this. It's like the coolest thing ever, right? He's going to like do a flip or he's going to like shoot a basket or uh, shove a quarter up his nose, wh- whatever it is, right? And so he's, dad, come on, check this out. Dad, look at me. Dad, watch me. And if he doesn't feel like he has my attention, this is what he'll say to me. Dad, look at me in my eyes. Dad, look at me in my eyes. Because he knows that if he has my eyes, he also has my attention. If he has my eyes, he also has my heart. And as I was preparing this message uh, this last week, God really spoke to me, and he helped me to realize this principle. Just like Lucas wants to see me, so also does our Heavenly Father want us to see him. Just like a child is longing for the attention of their parents, so also is our Heavenly Father longing to grant his attention, to grant his approval to me and to you. And there's some of you here that need to hear this this morning because you are so consumed by what people think. You're so worried by what people say. You're so consumed by what people do. And what God is saying is instead, he's, he's just saying, hey, look at me in my eyes. Remember what I think. Don't think about what the world thinks. Don't think about what the world says. Don't think about what the world does. Look what me in the eyes. Remember that I love you. Remember that I gave myself for you. Remember that I rose again for you. I love you. I rose again for you. And I am coming again for you. Look at me in the eyes. Look at me in my eyes. And so Joseph was left with a choice. Pleasing God, pleasing self, or pleasing others. And I want you to see what he does in verse 24 here, uh, because uh, this verse, more than any others, has so challenged my life. In one verse, with one massive decision, Joseph makes his stand. Look what he says in verse 24. When Joseph, say it with me, when Joseph woke up, when Joseph woke up, right? What the angel of the Lord, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him, and he took Mary home as his wife. He took Mary home as his wife. When the angel, when, when, when Joseph woke up, like in other words, do not pass go, Do not collect $200, no debate, no talking, no argument. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel had told him to do. And with one little verse and one massive decision, Joseph makes his stand with God. I'm going to please God. I'm not going to please the world. I'm not going to please myself. I'm going to please God. And I think at some point, there's some of us here today that need to make this decision. And I think there's some of us here that, 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 that the Holy Spirit is speaking to your heart. And he's saying to you, hey, when you become so consumed with what other people think, you actually forget what I think. But if you become so consumed with what I say, with what I do, with what I want, you can actually forget what everybody else thinks with one little verse Joseph makes his decision. And what I'm here to submit to you today is that the Holy Spirit wants your heart. The Holy Spirit wants your heart. 
more than anything else in the world. The Holy Spirit wants your heart. Look at me in my eyes. Don't worry what the world says. Look at me in my eyes. And I promise you, when you do, your life will never be the same. You're not worried what the world thinks. You're not worried what you want. You're only worried what God says. Look at me in my eyes and live for an audience of one. Holy Spirit, we are coming before you today as a people of God. We pray, Lord, that you would speak to our words today. Hear us, challenge us, strengthen us, and bless us. In Jesus' name. As we continue to pray this morning, there are some of you uh, all over the sanctuary that uh, this is your moment. God is speaking to your heart, and, and, and maybe you're a lot like me in that you're just consumed with what the world thinks. You're, you're living what the world wants you to do. What will people think? What will people say? What will people do? What will people want? And today the Holy Spirit is speaking to your heart. And he's saying, forget about that stuff. Forget what they say. Forget what they want. Forget what they want to hear. I want you. Look at me in my eyes. I want your heart. And there's some of you here today that you're about to say no more. <laughs> no more. No more fear. No more anxiety. No more worry. No more doubts. I am living for an audience of one. I'm living for an audience of one. I'm not living for the opinion of others. I am living for God. And if that is your prayer today, it's your prayer today, God, not my will, God, your will. God, not what other people want, but God, what you want. If that is your prayer today and you say, no more, no more fear, no more worries, no more anxiety, no more doubt, I am living for an audience of one. If that is your prayer today, right where you are, uh, would you just lift up your hand? You just lift up your hand and say, that is what I want. Hands up everywhere. Hands up everywhere. That's what I want. I want to pray for you. Heavenly Father, we thank you for these people that are sensitive to your spirit. We thank you for the work that you've done in our lives. Uh, Lord, we don't want to be dependent on what people think. We don't want to be dependent on, uh, on what the world says. We want to depend 100% on what you want and what you desire. Speak to our hearts. Give us the courage. Give us the encouragement, Lord, that we can look you in the eyes and know that we are pleasing to you, living for an audience of one. So continue to pray today, heads bowed and eyes closed. There are some of you here today that we've, we've talked a lot about messy choices, right? We've talked a lot about messy decisions, but now, right here, this moment, the Holy Spirit has led you to make the most important decision of your life. You see, Joseph had to decide what to do. He had to decide what to do with Mary, but more importantly, he had to decide what he was going to do with Jesus. For him to say yes to Jesus was for him to say no to the world, no to what he wants, no to what he had planned out for his entire life, and say yes to God's plan for him. And there's some of you out there, I'm going to be honest with you, there's some of you out there, when you're making a choice for Jesus, when you let him into your life, it's not going to be, it's not going to be perfect. It's not going to be 
perfect. It is going to be messy. The Holy Spirit comes into your life and he actually changes everything around. He changes your orders. He changes your priorities. He changes what you care about. He changes your life. There's some of you that you're going to make this decision and the world's not going to understand it. Your family is not going to understand it. Your, your, your friends aren't going to understand it. But you're saying today, Jesus, I want you. Jesus, I want you. I don't care what people say. I don't care what people want. I don't care what people need. I want Jesus and I want your life. See, Jesus came for one purpose and one purpose only. He came to save you from your sins. He came to heal you from your messes. And today, all you have to do is call on the name of Jesus. All you have to do is call on the name of Jesus because Scripture tells us that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And right now, the Holy Spirit's speaking to some people here, and he's saying, today is your day. And today is your moment. No more fear, no more worries, no more anxiety, no, no worrying about what other people are thinking, no worrying about what I want. This is all about you, and this is all about God. And today you say, that's my prayer. <laughs> that's my prayer. Jesus, cleanse me. Jesus, heal me. Jesus, set me free. I want you. And if that is your prayer today, Jesus, set me free. No more worries. I'm living for an audience of one. And if, if that is your prayer today, would you lift up your hand high right now? Would you lift up your hand high right now? Praise God. You right there. Praise Jesus. Yes, you down here. Praise God. Who else? Who else? Lift up your hand. I want to see your hand. There's no more fear. There's no more anxiety. You're not worried. Praise God. There's no more fear. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, brother. Who else? Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Who else? Thank you, God. There's so many lives entering the kingdom of God. And if you're new with us at First Church, nobody prays alone. Everybody prays together, praying as we enter into the kingdom of God. Say this with me. Heavenly Father, forgive me of my sins. I need you. I need forgiveness. I need a Savior. Forgive me, clean me, wash me, and make me new. From this day forward, I'm never turning back. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.